Open up, we're ready to go. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, we're going to cross to you live now. We're crossing over. And you're on in five. Five. Do I look all right? Yeah, it's a podcast, mate. Okay. Four. Ready to go. Ready? Is Mick okay? Is Mick doing it? I hope he's good this week. Three, two, one. Go. You're on. Now. Now. Hi, and welcome to Risk and Failure. I'm Mark Dobson, and welcome to the podcast. We have honest conversations around growth. I'm here with my good friend, Mick Dunn, on the other side of the planet. Mick, speak. I am here, mate, and I'm doing fine and dandy. Uh, it's early morning here, and it's late at night. The tides have turned a little bit. Are you um, you keeping awake all right? Yeah, because if you're not regular listeners, you may not know, but usually Mick is up late at night, and it's the middle of the day for me, and I'm all chirpy. But I'm actually chirpy because I'm a night person, but um, I don't really like this. We've got to do it the other way around. <laughs> um, but it does mean, though, that we can have my other friend, Steve here. <laughs> no, it's Mel. Steve. I wanted the audience to hear a female voice and go, Steve. Jeez. I'm not one to judge. They never dropped. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Mel is here and she's one of my closest friends. Hello, everybody. Hi, Mick. How are you going? I'm very good. Oh, we, you beat Your me favorite to the question. punch. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You beat me to the punch. I was going to put the pressure on you because Dove always asks these questions. How are you doing, Mick? I don't know. Let's just move on. I don't have an <laughs> answer to that question. But that question's fundamentally got to happen just about every time you meet somebody ever. Are you always deer in the headlines? <laughs> every time you go to the shops and someone says, someone says, how are you? Like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Shit, what is... Can you just give me the coffee? Like, oh, all right, all right, all right. Relax. And you're like, and it's your wife. Liz is like, how's your day? Oh, God. (laughs) Not you too. What's with all the pressure? So, well, we the good thing is that Mel and I have been friends for, we roughly worked out to be about, how many years did we just say? About 12? Yeah. Known each other for 12 years. It's a long time. It's a long time. I've known Mick longer. He's a lifetime friend. It's not a competition, Mark. No, but he's you've, he's managed to get to lifetime. Okay. So you're either a season, a reason, or you could be a lifetime. Okay. And how do I get into the lifetime category? Well, Mick just freeloaded the whole way along. He just kept on hanging around and <laughs> just kept on calling me on Fridays. Um, is that what happened, Mick? Um, I don't know, Dobbo. I think I just sort of accidentally fell into this position. Um I don't think it was by choice. Yeah, for both. But I'm glad you consider me that way. We should talk about it off air. Yeah, we really So, I've known Mel for about 12 years and we often, like Mel and I could probably have our own podcast, especially with Jess, because I've mentioned Mel on another show, because Mel gets super passionate about so many topics and we try to, we have the same agony and ecstasies of life and we just like torment over everything and get passionate about everything. Yes, we do. What do you reckon your passion is at the moment? I hate that question too. Oh, geez, between you and me, I can't (laughs) ask anything. This is so hard. I'll give you a quick context. Mel actually came on one of my programs when you were about 17 or something? 16, yes. 16. Well, tell us about it. What happened? Well, it totally changed my life. Yes. Um, Correct answer. Well done. I didn't know she was going to say that. You know, and it did, but then 
this awesome friendship developed between Mark and I where he would kick my ass every couple of years, tell me I was being a pain in the ass to pull my head in. And, and the friendship, you know, sort of developed from there. And, you know, 12 years later, it's my turn to kick his ass and tell him he's being a pain in the ass. Yeah, and she doesn't like the, doesn't like the jeans I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll go on a date and she's like, what are you doing that for? What are you saying? You should say this. You should do that. But it has. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. So yeah. we, yeah, because Mel came on camp and then she came on as a leader. And then she took to the content so strong that if I ever was going to have anybody be coached besides by me, I'd go, go see Mel. Like, she's a gun. She's a freak. No pressure at all in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'll send your email address later. Everybody need a personal coach. She's the girl. So, she's jumping on for this conversation about loneliness. And although people are jumping on and haven't, are not familiar perhaps with this stuff and or even maybe you heard last week's show and you wanted to do the more on the loneliness topic, we actually talked about loneliness today, which is a bit tricky because we get in a playful mood. And last week, we talked about loneliness and we ended up really sad just by talking about it. I must admit, I got off of it and I was like, oh. I don't want to do this again. <laughs> it's like, uh, I wonder why we did a two-part episode out of that. Did we really need to? But it's been interesting because we did push it in between episodes. We actually reached out to a few different people and got ideas and questions, and we sent it out to the community on the email. Uh, so if you are not a subscriber, then you probably didn't get that. But we uh, we got some response and feedback, which was good So. I think I'm glad we're revisiting it, but I do agree. It's a little bit of a morbid subject, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I ran it by um, my good friend, Sarah Hume. We need to put her on the risk list. And she said that you and I don't really listen to each other. And I was embarrassed. Mm. And I said, and I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though, Mick. She fundamentally proposed two questions, which we emailed out to our database. And she said, the two things that she thought we really needed to discuss were, one, when are we lonely? And two, what do we need at that time? And you're privy to the questions, Mick. Did you start to think about the answer for this stuff? No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good start, guys. Um, well, I, I did. I did. Well, if and you want to bring us in, that'd be great. Well, I thought about when I'm lonely and the truth is I don't like admitting it. So I didn't want to have to say it, but for the cause, I think I am lonely. didn't really know exactly even how to language it, but when I wanted to be social and there was no one to be social with. So whether that be, I thought your example last week about when you were living in Florida and you want to do something on the weekends. Like I, I didn't have enough to do on weekends last year. So I just, sounds so, so I bought a house, not because I was so rich, but I wanted to renovate and have a project and it was great. But yeah, sometimes I even on a weekend, I'll be like, well, what do I want to do? Like, unless you've got that family structure or that natural obligation during the week, week you've got things to do. So definitely that was one time. And the, I thought another time was, it's a bit vague, a bit broad maybe, but any time I didn't have a companion and a companion was when you th- feel like the experience would be richer if you're with somebody. So it wouldn't matter what it was. It could be, you know, emptying a trailer with a spade and you're like, Jesus, it'd be good if there was someone here enjoying this with me, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Mick, where are you? <laughs> or it could be where you're working on a project or... 
even when you've got an illness and nobody really, you don't feel like anybody understands you and you just want to be understood. So the timing I was lonely was definitely when I wanted to be social and I felt like the experience needed to, would be richer with someone else. Mm. Um, and I think it gets exaggerated if you don't feel like it's available. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I hadn't formulated like workshopped it. But the very first thing that I, I did pay attention to the moment you texted me, what came into my mind and it felt like it was something to do with when I feel like I've been unable to, I don't want to use the word overwhelm, but when, when I've got, when I feel like I've gone outside of my capacity to handle something. So work-wise, that's usually when I feel like I hit that moment where just it feels like everything kind of comes tumbling and you sort of feel like, why did I get involved in all of this stuff? I like, I took on more than I should have and I've got nobody to back me up and now I got to get myself out of this. And so as a business owner, I felt that quite a lot, at least once, probably every few weeks, if not more periods of like, oh, crap, like, I've got to, like, do all of this stuff. And I've you start realizing just how many connections there are that make all of that happen. And when enough of those connections don't pull through enough, you can, I often feel uh, moments of loneliness in that. So your first floor was, was a work one? Um, well, it was related to not being able to get something done the way that I like it was sort of a I guess a competency type thing or a it, it didn't wouldn't have to be work it could be at home as well not remembering to do something you know not as simple as putting out the trash or whatever but just like forgetting to bring something with me or whatever and then realizing oh my god I didn't do that and then in that moment feeling like oh man i like, it's sort of like when you begin to fall into those moments of self-talk, it's like, you idiot, you forgot that. That sort of stuff. That's, yeah, that's so funny. Like, I can see you doing that. But oh, I think thanks, Ray. That's really encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you just sitting out the front, staring at the bins, going, I didn't put them out. Now I've locked out. I've got my keys. <laughs> I think the <laughs> – that's great. Then you feel lonely. I think – the expression that you're referring or that comes to mind when you say that is um, when the buck stops with you because there is no one else to handle it and you'd like it if there was. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think you've nailed that. That That's not my only part, but that was the thing that came to mind for me. That's interesting because that must be what you're experiencing now. See, I'm not exper- – I don't – I actually – Have no responsibility mm. or <laughs> – there's some truth in that what mel have you thought about it yes so i think for me when i feel lonely is when i one when i feel disconnected from the people who i'm around or when i feel disconnected from myself so in my world most of my friends are getting married and having babies and I'm not doing that. So if I don't feel good within myself and then I go and hang out with those people, I notice there's a gap between where they are in their life and where I am in my life. And I come up short and I think mm. they're the times when I feel lonely. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I was just thinking, well, I've heard that from so many people, particularly girls, it's more exaggerated, 
the girls I know. Maybe I just don't know any single guys. But I'm in that situation where people invite me to things and they've got kids. Sometimes I'll go, but sometimes I just say, oh, I so don't fit in there. I'm not coming. Like, I actually tell them I don't bail. Mm. I go, look, I feel a bit out of my depth. But what about when you say disconnected from yourself? Well, when I'm not in a good headspace for myself. So if I go into a situation like that and I'm in a good headspace, then Mm. I don't mind that we're in two different places. But when I feel like I'm not on my path or I'm not happy in that particular time. So hang on, you talk, like you said, there was two things. There's one where you go with people and you don't mm. feel connected to them. Yeah. But you also said you don't feel connected. Another time you don't feel connected to yourself. Yeah. So how do you not feel connected to yourself? Maybe when you don't understand how you're feeling or when you're having a difficult time and you don't feel comfortable in that. Mm. So, you know, when you're feeling okay in yourself, you can sit at home on a Saturday night and feel like, yeah, this is mm. what I want to be doing. But when you're feeling a bit flat or, mm. you know, something like that's going on, it's, I think it's harder to not feel that sense mm. of loneliness because for me, I think the loneliness is about feeling disconnected. And so mm. if you're disconnected from yourself or you're disconnected from the people around you, that's when I think it shows up. But when you're disconnected from yourself, does that mean that you just, you're disconnected from your own personal joy or appreciation for yourself or acceptance? Yeah. But more than that, it's feeling comfortable with where you're at. Mm. So feeling comfortable being on your own, sometimes you feel comfortable with that and that's mm. okay. And other times you feel like you have a judgment of that. I mm. shouldn't be on my own. I'm, mm. you know, I should be here with somebody or I should be out at a party or I should, you know, whatever. Mm. One of the other things I thought was interesting, one of the listeners emailed in and said, and I just won't name them just out of courtesy, but they said that they never used to feel lonely in bed, but then they'd met someone, fallen in love, had slept next to him regularly, and then and then they'd split up, and now she is aware of what's missing. Yeah, exactly. So that's the gap between where you think you should be and where you actually are, right. and that's where I think that the loneliness shows up. Yeah. So it's almost like if you've had heaps of good Saturday nights and then you've got three in a row which are at home on the couch, yeah. it's almost – this is the whole contrast thing. It's, al- it's almost like um, – the awareness of the absence. So when you go to the party and everyone's got kids, as an example, or yeah, you're you, aware you're, of the gap between yourself yeah, and, and them. Yeah. When you're hanging out with Mick and me here, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Midweek, other people are. You know, we should text everybody now. Hey, recording our podcast, our international podcast, <laughs> having the best time. We should post it on Facebook. But exactly. what you know, what happens? though? people do post it on Facebook, and then. People are at home going, yeah, what am I doing? I'm doing nothing. But really, I might even take a picture with this so that we can post it because we're just sitting on the floor in my lounge late at night. Like, it's pretty basic, but it looks glamorous from the outside and people can invent something where they should be, where they should be, and then go, but I'm not, and therefore... You can invent yeah. your own loneliness. But I think the interesting thing is the thing that relieves it is connection. So if you're at home by yourself on a Saturday night and somebody texts you and says, hey... I'm home on a Saturday night and mm. I'm doing anything that kind of takes the pressure off and you're like, Oh, okay. Cause someone else is, someone well. else is. And I feel connected to them, but I'm not necessarily with them, but mm. I feel connected to someone who's in the same space. So it kind of alleviates that feeling. a mm. bit. Did either of you find like when I moved out of home, like I moved to the other side of the world. So I never really had the experience of living in the community I grew up in, like in an apartment or something like that. Did you find a difference on a Saturday night, like a quiet Saturday night, for example, when you were living at home with the folks compared to the exact same experience in an apartment on your own? 
or even just having housemates and stuff like that? Do you feel like it makes a difference? It, oh, yeah, it does make a difference. But look, my life is, has not been classic in that I went and worked on the summer camps in the States when I was young. So I spent 10 summers there pretty much back and forth. And I invested a lot of time in the States and I came home and I did, I repeated year 12. I didn't go to university. I went to TAFE, but there were really mature age students were in the course because computers had just come into the design industry and everyone was coming back. And I didn't really make any friends in that environment. And I always worked for myself. So I didn't have any friends to hang out with for, um, after work drinks, I still haven't been to that many weddings. Like I've had a really, just the way I've made the decisions I've made, my friends have been overseas. I still reckon I've spent more Saturday nights in than I have out. Like when the early days when I was living with mum and dad, because in Australia, we, you do live with your parents for a lot longer than you would in the States, just through the nature of the geography of the country. You know, I just didn't have that social option. I just felt like I was wasting my life. Now that I'm living, a, you know, in a social environment and living in a social like hub in the city, there's definitely, definitely more options. But I look at my friendship circle now and it, it took me about five years or so to really build the network of people that I've got now. Like it was really difficult and it was a slow journey and it's still not even rock solid. What's your take on that, Mel? Like how, cause you live in an apartment block. I think for me, it's more about how I f- how I'm feeling at the time rather than the people that are around mm. me. Yeah, cuz sometimes you can be around a lot of people and feel really lonely. I don't know, it keeps for me it keeps coming back to that connection thing mm. and how connected you feel to yourself or to another person mm. and that when you feel connected to another person that kind of dissipates the loneliness mm. a little bit even if they're not in the same space as you or mm. Last week Mel we talked about a question I'd raised on whether or not loneliness is actually an emotion or whether it's i don't know what else we'd call it but what we kind of concluded and talked about was that it's sort of a necessary process in order to experience connection and to really value connection because you wouldn't say that connection is an emotion but somehow it seems like we brand loneliness that way See, I don't know if it's an emotion or not. This is tricky, isn't it? Like, but I know what you're meaning, like, which is the pure emotion and which is a byproduct or a subsidiary or something. Because I don't know if it's enough to say that loneliness is a, a, a product of connection or that it's, you know, we referenced Brene Brown talking about whatever that other concept was that she was mentioning. Um, hope. Hope, hope you said that hope yeah, you said was a that function hopes. of struggle. So your degree to experience hope was related to your degree to experience struggle. And I don't necessarily think your degree of connection is related to the degree of loneliness you experience. Like I don't know that one could say that if you experience extreme loneliness, then you also ex- experience at some point extreme connection because it doesn't seem like you're know, just looking at the world that that's the way things are. But but I don't know. I'd, I reckon you do. Yeah, well, I think you do as well because don't you think that that provides the contrast? I do, but then I like to validate that I have to go, well, you know, the quality of relationships, like people that really nurture and value and build on those connections and know what it means to be genuinely connected to a human being it sort of means well does that mean that those are the people that have to experience the deepest darkest loneliness or i don't think you have to connect to the loneliness but you can have an awareness of it it's like being on the edge of a cliff 
you're you're on solid ground, but you look off that cliff and you go, I don't have to fall off there to know that that's a long way down. And it's like when well, you're a parent, so maybe you could comment, but you know, with your children, like you look at them and you have so much love for them, you you're aware of the phenomenal pain that would be available if you lost them. So it, you don't have to lose them to be aware of it. That's fair enough. And I guess it brings up the question about vulnerability as well. Like what's the connection between loneliness, connection and vulnerability? That's big, man. That's big. Because that takes you all into Brene Brown stuff. Go on. What I was saying when, I was, when you were talking about the buck stopping with you, with me, I think something about that is actually related for me to being, you use some type of language about retreating or like there's no way to retreat out of the situation. So you feel like you've brought yourself to that situation and you have no one to look at and no one to help you out of it other than yourself. That That's a position where I usually experience loneliness. There's other stuff beyond that as well that I know Liz and I explored and talked about having kids and all sorts of different things going on. It's really easy to be living in a space where you've got almost you've got shared lives going on, and then you've you've both got pursuits and things that you're involved in. That you, it's kind of like a parent child relationship you know if you're like super into skateboarding or something like that well your parents aren't really a part of that so they can't fully understand if you're experiencing some level of pain or vulnerability or something related to that area of your life the only people that can understand are the people that are related to that that are skateboarders for example and so it's pretty easy to belong to a really connected family but still have elements of your life where you can be going through a patch of loneliness and it's difficult to find understanding just within the home for example you know another one that came up that i think georgia um, mentioned when she was contributing to some conversations was stay-at-home moms and parenting in general that's a huge contrast that you go from having lots and lots of people sort of being involved in helping, you know, a baby come into the world and, you know, all of this stuff going on and all this preparedness. And then all of a sudden you're sitting at home, just at home, quiet, <laughs> alone, husbands at work, uh, wives at work, whatever it, you know, the setup is. That That's a huge one that I think is out there as well. Like stuff like that, that you can be in a very connected environment but still experience patches of, I wouldn't call it disconnectedness, but just... Yeah, you'd have to, though, you, because you'd, cause what you're saying is that you, you, you're in a loving environment, but you're not connected on something really important to you. So there must be some relevance to the importance of it. Yeah, well, I think for a mother, it's sort of being in connection to the outside world and being able to freely do the things that you were able to do beforehand and then all of a sudden not being able to leave the house for longer than certain amounts of time. And it, it just, See, having- there's some people, some people just love that, but I've also heard women particularly just say, Oh my God, I've got to use my brain. They need the mental stimulation. But it, there is something interesting here because what we're hearing though, is that, okay, so you're in a family and you know, you're loved and you love them, but you feel lonely. So there obviously is something that you would like to feel understood on or, or there's something that you feel alone on and 
the result is that you feel lonely because they just fundamentally or somebody just doesn't fundamentally just doesn't get something that you must think is important. It's as simple as when you've cooked something for people, which I've done even for my friends. I've cooked them and gone, how good's this? And they're like, yeah, that's okay. You're like, hey. Like you, and you, you think, I think it's that's great. precisely what I mean. It's just an event or it's just a, it's not an extended, like, and I don't know that this is true for any type of loneliness unless you're talking about, you know, suffering from depression or something, but these are patches that you might go through, but they're even more situational. Like sometimes like what you're talking about, you make a meal and it doesn't go down great for the family or your group of friends. And that, that can be enough just right there because they want to, they want involved in the process of you doing that. So they don't understand and you can't have them understand mm. that. That's really all. I think all I meant is, that 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 we can't always be aware of what the people we love are doing and be so involved in that to be mm. able to understand when they're going through a challenge with that and so we're just bound to experience periods of loneliness within those experiences um you provoked an idea many years ago um friends had were building a, a new office and the, the husband was a um builder and he's and he built this incredible interior and the wife came in and just, Oh, that's really good, honey. And I said to him, mate, that's sick. How did you do that? Explain it to me. And he talked me through all the different decisions. And he said to his wife, he goes, <laughs> he says, well, honey, Mark gets me. But it was because I'd taken the time and I had the appreciation and I sought to understand it was just a byproduct. I wasn't trying to be here. I was just generally interested. But it was an interesting response from him. And it made me just think then when you said that we use the cooking example, that's, you know, like the, the all religious text says, all religious text, I'm generalizing a bit, but it, the old seek first to understand. And I, I feel like this loneliness thing is off the back of just not being understood in one area of your life. Like with the baby example, Mel, like. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it comes back, that's why I think it comes back to the connection thing. I know that sounds really simple, but it's like hmm. if somebody else understands where you're at or you know can you know like with your friend he he feels like you understand him so it, it makes it mm. easier i don't know and the other thing i was i've been thinking while we've been talking is if the loneliness is necessary like if it's a that's a good question is it a necessary um i don't know if it's an emotion or not but is it necessary in terms of learning about yourself and learning about you know what your own needs are because the loneliness is really in your own head, in a sense. It is in your own head. It's a conversation you're having it's with yourself. It's a conversation in your head. So is it really an opportunity for us to understand what that's about and tap into that vulnerability part of mm. us? I'm going to go out and say it is necessary. I, I think it's like vulnerability. I don't think it can be sidestepped. I think it can be – I don't think it can necessarily be mastered, but I think – it's one of those things like vulnerability that Brene Brown's done such a good job of identifying that's saying this is here. It's part of a human, it's part of being a human being and the better we can learn how to face it and, and know that it's there and walk through it. It leads to a more enriched experience on the flip side. But we, and the flip side is connection, right? Yeah. 
which which is, goes back to what you're saying what we said about children and stuff before gone but. yeah which is interesting because Brene Brown says that when she was talking about shame that people didn't want to talk to her about that because mm. it was such an uncomfortable topic I sort of feel like loneliness fits into that category as well everybody mm. experiences it but it's like mm. people don't really want to talk about it because it's kind of it's an uncomfortable thing I mean you even said it at the start like mm. I don't really want to admit you know when mm. I feel lonely mm. Yeah, great, great uh, first email for me to send out to the list, huh? Hey, tell us about your loneliness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But it's true. Like, it damages – look, it damages my brand. Like, I'm all about being authentic and being – not trying to create an image, but at some level there is an image and there's some stuff that's private. And what we're doing in this conversation is oh, we're always dancing around, well, geez, should this be private or should this is, – is this unnecessarily – being kept secret. So what is it about loneliness that is challenging for people? If everybody goes through it, everybody has the experience of it. What is so challenging? Because about the it? fundamental of loneliness is you're doing it on your own. You don't think anybody else is going through it. And as soon as you're going, if somebody else is going through it, we never say, Oh, we're feeling lonely. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> never, there's never multiple people. We never go We're we're feeling lonely. Cause we're the lonely then you'd be, club. Come then join us. <laughs> Yeah, because then, but there would be people that would be listening to this that have felt lonely and would be sitting there feeling almost full in their heart for the first time going, oh my God, so I'm not crazy. Because they feel understood, well, they're no longer the only one having that experience. Just what it comes down to, the only one having this experience. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Huh, that's quite big. Hmm. I pulled that out of my ass. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So, to the but that's what it comes down to. It's the, it's the the only one going through the experience. We think we are. Well, we think we are, or we really are. Well, what do you think about that, Mick? Because you seem to have a bit of a different definition of loneliness. Um, I think yeah, you're on your own on this one. <laughs> 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 no, I agree with that. I don't know that our definitions are. Maybe a little different, but I, I think the experience is genuinely the same. But I, I think maybe the experience of loneliness changes over life, depending on situation and things like that. Well, it's probably relevant to what you're feeling like you're the only one going through. Like It still comes down to where you are lacking the most connection. Mm. Mm, yeah. And so probably for people that are married families things like that they may look to work as being the area where they're experiencing the least amount of connection because they come home they but they may feel loved and feel like they have an incredible family and all these amazing things to do with other families on weekends maybe but they don't like getting up on monday morning and that's what that's where they experience their loneliness and nobody understands them in that quest because how could they it could be the flip side i mean it could be people that feel lonely at home and fulfilled at work or you know um, but do you think that they can feel loved if they feel lonely? Because Robbins puts, um, he, he says that one of the six human needs is love and connection. He doesn't separate the two emotions. And if I'm waking up every morning and I hate going to my job or I hate getting up anyway, and nobody else gets that. And I say, no, I really hate it. They go, yeah, I know you do. Off you go. You like your work. You go, yeah, but I hate getting up. I don't know if that you can feel loved when somebody doesn't. I don't know. Can you feel loved when somebody doesn't get something that is real to you? Yeah. Because, because it can. doesn't. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I, do, I guess the point is that 
it comes back to definition earlier of you're the only one that can experience it. And it's those moments of oneness when you are faced with the fact that you're the only one that can experience this. So my parents, my best friends, my wife, can they can seek to understand it and give me moments of being understood, but they can't be there in the vehicle on Monday morning as I'm driving to work. So I've felt that before. I've, I'm sure many of us have worked in a job that we just hated and we felt alone in that job because we just didn't feel like we belonged and we didn't connect. But, and all we wanted to do is just go back home again and find a different community to belong to within that area of life. So I, I think I was just trying to kind of raise awareness to the fact that I think in general we can feel a pretty profound level of connectedness in life, but still within all of that have hotspots of loneliness going on. And I think that's healthy and that's okay. And that's how it's probably supposed to be no different to vulnerability. There's always something that's giving us a bit of a sinking feeling and we're trying to wrestle through it and push our way out of it. But we're not completely alone everywhere. It's just this area that we're feeling like we're on our own on. This is the discussion of the ego versus the versus the spiritual awareness, where the ego is separate and thinks it's separate, and awareness is realizing we're all connected. Mm. And the ego is small; it's I, and awareness is we. You know, the collective, and that's a big topic. Like that's new to your people. Like it's not new to me, and it's still epic. I still don't really get my head around it. But it, when we feel like we are alone, we're the only one going through it. Then it means we've got a, a world view that we. Of, of ourself and what we're experiencing that's very, very small. And when we're actually going through it and we have the awareness that imagine if instead of saying, oh, I'm going to work on my own and I don't get to hang out with my kids and my wife's playing with them and I'm off to work to a job I hate. If we have that awareness, that makes us feel miserable. Or we could have the experience, which not everyone's going to go there, but I, like everybody on the planet, is a soul in a human body and I've come on here to discover limitations so that when I leave this body, I can re-remember my grandness and how awesome I am and we can look at all people and go, wow, they're just like me. They're a soul in a body and they're all going off the, you know, and, and, and with that awareness, it's you have a different view of it, but that's like that's, a, that's where people meditate to be able to get to a spiritual space where they feel that and they believe that and they're, they're connected to that experience. So it's the same experience, but a different conversation in your head. And one's a small awareness and one's a large awareness. Did that just get too big? That's big, man. Whoa. 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 I'm Whoa. No, but it just hurt my brain because, like, we weren't there and then you just jumped there really quickly. I, like, wasn't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel's just in here going, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. I just wish you had told me. So, Mel, what about, like, what – because the other question was, like, what do you – Hang do? on, don't delete that. Hang on, wait a second. That was huge. You can't just jump away. <laughs> well, was, was, you can't, like, when you hit such – you can't continue with that. That's just <laughs> – all right, that's all right, like, let's go. That was like, no, we don't. No, no one. Sarah said we don't sometimes listen to each other. I think the correct answer was well, they just can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm teasing. So go on, Mick. What were you going to ask, ask Mel? Well, I was just curious about what do you do with loneliness? Like, what do you do, or what do you need? Because uh, that was the other question, mm. and mm. I felt like we should try to kind of talk through that a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that is a good question. And I think, you know, the obvious answer is 
to feel connected to somebody or for somebody to understand. But then the challenge with that is what if there's not somebody available to do that? Or what if that is just not there? But that's not enough though, is it? Because if you're on the couch on a Saturday night and you're miserable and you want to go out and your mum calls and she goes, yeah, I understand, honey. You don't no, feel any better. No, but if, no, because that's. <laughs> Unless she's going out because, you know, mum whacks on a dress and she's, <laughs> I'm up for let's go. That's true, but that's because that's my mum, no right. offence, mum. But right. if my friend said to me, yes. who was in a similar situation to me, you know, mm. my single friend said to mm. me, I'm sitting on the couch too, then I would feel better about mm. that. That would kind of take the pressure off it. Mm. So, you know, I think that that is the obvious answer that comes to mind. But I think now, I, you know, in the last few months, I've been going through some significant growth around this stuff. And I think for me, just being aware that I'm feeling lonely and not judging it and just seeing it as a temporary thing and it you know it just is what it is it's loneliness it's okay you don't have to change it you don't have to fix it it's just part of all the other emotions that you feel I think that's prob- that would probably be the most helpful thing for me in that time because just, tra- think- just an awareness and that's it like just being aware of it aware of it and also not judging it being yeah. kind to yourself and just being like yeah I do feel lonely at the moment but that's actually okay Mm. rather than being like trying to fight it and be like, I don't feel lonely. I'm fine with it when you're not actually fine with it. Cause I Mm. think in the fighting it is where the, you feel pressure and you feel like, well, then I shouldn't feel like this. And that sort of goes into a vicious cycle. See, cause to go back to your profound insight earlier, Dobbo, on (laughs) meditation and which one, which one was it? (laughs) Which which, which one? Oh yeah. Insight number five. Yeah. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. meditation and sort of um you know like this other these other souls experiencing all these things like i think these are great thoughts but we can't do something productive with that i don't feel like that doesn't turn into a strategy <laughs> i know right? i know buddha and jesus really struggled with that stuff <laughs> they couldn't do anything productive but so like, gandhi came along and he's like i don't know what to do guys but how, spiritual how like i'm gonna ask you like do you actually that's why I wanted to turn it into the conversation of like, what do you do with loneliness? Because do you feel like it's enough to just sit down and think about uh, like meditating and connectedness and stuff like that? Or do you feel like there's actually some other level of action you need to take? Well, I agree with Mel. Like I, I wouldn't, if I'm feeling lonely, I won't meditate. That's just not how I would use it. Like what the meditation is, is you're, you're slowing down your thoughts so that all these thoughts of you should be doing somewhere else, you should be out on a Saturday night or you should have somebody to be, you know, waking up with in the morning or you should be feeling closer to your husband or your, your wife right now or, or whatever. So that that conversation, that chatter calms the hell down and you can connect with a truth. Like what's something that, and a truth, there's a truth sets you free, meaning a truth feels good. So when Mel says, oh, I'm feeling lonely, I find up if I just go well it's okay to be lonely and that just feels some ease there's some truth there and that's where the ease comes if we said well you should be out then there can't be truth because there's more angst so so when you say what to do with it it's almost like a fitness it's like if when there's a meditation and you take on these beliefs and you allocate them time like you know you do as well Mick like we all do we just allocate time to these sort of discussions it creates a certain level of resilience so when those things come up it's you don't sort of, you know, the loneliness comes up or that opportunity, the time when you feel alone or the buck stop with you, you don't spiral out of control. It's like you take a hit, but you can collect yourself 
And I feel like people who don't have a spiritual awareness like that, they are literally like an old lady getting hit by a football player where the guy runs in and she just can't protect herself. And it's take, it would take next to nothing to knock the lady over. When someone who's fit and strong, they get hit, they fall, but they can handle the knock. They're not injured. They can get back up. And I feel like the greater you have an awareness of, of a spiritual journey and a spiritual appreciation of the experience, we get less impacted by the human elements of it. And also the dwelling in the loneliness, you know, which is, you know, I think if you dwell in the loneliness for too long, it can be really unhealthy, you know, Mm. and that's when I would be thinking about moving towards joy or laughter or or, or Mm. something like that, which is sort of what I was talking about before, you know, you can acknowledge the loneliness and take the pressure off yourself mm. to try and change it. But I think that there's a point where it can become too much. It can become destructive to, to yourself well, to like, bask in the loneliness. Well, the example of the, the old lady getting hit, like that's the example where you get hit by loneliness and then the lady, because she hasn't got a fundamental belief, she hasn't got the strength in her anymore, that's right. is on the ground and we can say, no, just rest for a bit mm. before you get up. But eventually you've got to get up. That's right. Where the athlete gets hit, and this is not a like, well, she's older. It's like a, per- it's not a perfect metaphor, right? <laughs> Some people out there going, well, she's older. She would, you know, I'm like, yeah, I know she didn't have enough milk in her life. Calcium's not great. But, <laughs> but my point is that, that, you know, when you have a certain level of resilience, you, you take a knock, but then you go, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go again where some people can take the knock and it becomes quite comfortable just to lay down. I always say to people, kids, particularly I go careful when you're sick, because if you're well, you can get no attention and then you're sick and then your mum brings you a cup of soup and a blanket and says, don't worry. And you're like, oh my God, I've never got soup, hugs and blankets before. This is great. So I think with the loneliness thing too, it's, you don't want to hang out there unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. there's a fine line. Yeah, although how to Jeez. not mm-hmm. hang out in there is yeah. a little bit challenging right. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Last week I talked about when I was living in Florida for a while and so I was living on my own. I'd moved to the other side of the world away from all my friends and family and was working, enjoying my work, but just not enjoying weekends mostly because I just didn't have the same level of connection with the circle of friends that I had back home. So midweek wasn't so bad, but the way that I think it didn't feel so bad is it's not that difficult to fill an evening but to fill a weekend felt overwhelmed. Like it just felt much more difficult. So for me to come home and turn an event out of going shopping, getting food and then making a great dinner and then maybe watching a movie or I used to just go for a run every night. And so fitness became my thing. And then so did music. I went out and bought a guitar and got reconnected to, all right, I'm going to use this time to play lots of guitar. And I did, I did all kinds of stuff with that, which was great. So I would fill that time, but on a Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning I didn't exactly feel like pulling out my guitar or going for a run I was like all right I've done this I'm like I'm exhausted on these things I'm not fulfilled on that and I didn't have anything to replenish it at 11 o'clock on a Saturday and then when that didn't get replenished all day Saturday and then into Sunday then it would become even more obvious because Sunday is like family and sort of hanging out and friends day so to not have that to fall into just meant it was, okay, now I'm just going to repeat the cycle. And it was just week after week. Every now and then there'd be a little bit of a break. But from an experience standpoint, it, it felt extended and difficult to navigate out of. So it felt like I just needed to figure out how to get comfortable in it. 
So if you reflect back on that time now, Mick, what can you think of anything that would have helped you in that time? I don't know that I would have done anything differently, to be quite honest. I feel like I was still trying to be true to myself and not just go hang out with people, any old people. I still did hang out with all kinds of different folks and sometimes spent weekends or whatever time hanging out with people I really didn't feel fulfilled with. But I felt like it was a period of extreme growth because I truly valued what was within the community and people that I'd been with in Melbourne and then to pull myself away from that. And I think it was the first time I lived away from home. So I I don't know. I I don't know that I'd do a whole lot different other than to, if I was to meet myself in that period to just sort of try to tell myself to be patient and, um, pick up your guitar. (laughs) But what you said just then was, um, you know, that you had the real appreciation for your friends back in Melbourne. And that's because the con- that's the contrast thing again, isn't it? The, mm. the connection there, and then the absence of connection. Um, yeah, I had I had like multiple moments of like, what have I done? Like, I've just created a massive like commitment that I've made, and I don't want to be here anymore, or I don't. I want to do parts of this, but don't want to do other parts. And I can't have at all because if I leave this, I can't continue with this amazing experience. I'm getting the opportunities in my lap on, but I can't walk away from that because they're great opportunities. But in order to make benefit of them, I've got to not have connection in other areas. Mm. Because I actually was, there was a chance for me to get a bloody unique job in, um, in New York city just came up recently and I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go through all that again, because you know what you're just talking about, I've done that and it's crap and I'm so happy here. But eventually I made the decision to go for that role, um, which is a bit out of left, left out of field for me. But as it turned out, it didn't play out, which actually suited me fine, but I still wanted to be brave enough to almost walk into the face of loneliness because I knew that's what would have to happen. I'd have to start building a life again. And granted, I've got some friends there, but, you know, you've got friends like, you know, you catch up with them once a month. You, you don't have it here. I've got, there's a richness to friendships. Um, it's pretty hard when you've gone through something like that to choose to go back through it again. When you know what's like, oh man, this, this, that's a monumental, it's just like vulnerability, isn't it? Like where you've, You've experienced that feeling of being exposed and you know when you're in it or when it's right in front of you and it's really tempting and easy to just avoid. Yeah. And it was difficult and I was pleased I eventually made the decision to do it. But, geez, I just I saw everything in New York. I was walking around my house going, but I love here. And I, looking at my friends like Mel going, but I love these people most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was difficult. We've we got to do a show on, on vulnerability because this is, keeps coming up in my life and I haven't mastered it. I don't think I know how to let it. 
I, I, I'm, I think it's leading my life. I think I'm being vulnerable all the time. I, but I'm learning that I'm not really. Yeah, I don't think you are. Oh, yeah, apparently. Yeah, I don't think you are. And, yeah, I think the vulnerability one's really interesting and pro- possibly a bit off topic, but... Uh, well, why aren't I? What am I doing? Well, how, how can you know that? Well, I just know it because we're really similar and I'm learning about vulnerability for myself recently. And uh, I think vulnerability is so different for everybody, but people don't really explore what it means for them. So we just call something vulnerability, but for one person you know, a particular incident might not, like for me, so ridiculous. I was watching uh, TV with my housemate the other night and uh, and I didn't want to cry in front of her. Mm. And I was like really trying to stop myself from doing that. Um, and she's sitting on the couch bawling her eyes out. Mm. But for me, it was such, it was a, a, almost a ridiculous risk for me to show her that, you know, that I was moved by what we were watching on TV. Why didn't you want her to, why, like, why didn't you want her to see that you were upset? Because mm. of the weakness aspect of it or something? Yeah, just trying to be brave, just trying to be a hero. Yeah, it's you know? amazing, isn't But it? it was like, but that made me so uncomfortable to do that. But I didn't, so, I wouldn't have even realised, like, that seems like such a small thing. For someone else, that wouldn't be their vulnerability. But for no, me, in yeah. that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, that made me really uncomfortable. So I think unless you put your attention to it and go, what makes me vulnerable? What makes me feel super uncomfortable? I don't know that you necessarily can move through those things. Can, I, I want your opinions on this. Um, actually both the, and I know it's not directly on loneliness, but this is bloody relevant to me. And since you're both here, <laughs> so this is where we sort through whether we're a lifetime or a season or a reason. Uh, I think uh, this is yeah. the moment, right? This is right. Uh, this is it. Uh, so, so thanks you guys, for I was actually going to, basically I've been going through my friends and I've got to choose just one, just, uh, just worked one. out. Well, no, I've worked out. I've What's got, gonna be lonely, I've got room it? for 50 friends, but you guys are fighting for the last spot. Okay. Um, no, that's not actually what I'm thinking. What I'm, so I went on a couple of dates and this person's quite strong, capable. And as a result, sort of like an equal, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's her ego, but you know, you just sort of, you just go, she's not going to, well, she's got an opinion. It's quite different. I know that I haven't dated people with opinions, but, but I'm, I was actually feeling quite awkward and clumsy often. I'm like, well, is that awkward and clumsy feeling? Is that vulnerability? <laughs> or is that just... You know, like, I didn't know if that was, and then that's the first bit. And then the second bit was, I've gotten feedback a couple of times that I've always got to label things. I've got to work them out. And and, and I feel like I let, I like uncertainty, I feel like I like uncertainty. I just let it flow, let it play out. But apparently I don't. And I can't see it. Yeah, I think I have the same issue with that on the second, like trying to label stuff or figure things out or put them in a box. And probably walk around thinking that I'm letting things go when that's not really the case. But I don't think that's an uncommon thing. Um, but yet I, I wouldn't associate that with vulnerability for me, um, a feeling of vulnerability. But the first example you gave, I, I think would be, hmm, I, I think it's that you would know if it's the sort of thing you feel like you need to if it feels uncomfortable and you need, you feel that you need to move away from it. And it's not because it's a negative, like negative experience in that, you know, destructive, but just genuinely you're trying to move away from it because it's, ex- it's potentially exposing mm. something that would be vulnerability. I think 
Mm. Yeah, I agree, Mick. I agree. And so my question is, well, what does it make you uncomfortable that she had an opinion? Oh, no, that just made me sound like I was like a male chauvinist pig. Then she's let an opinion outrageous. No, but no. Because of what I'm no, being. But it was, no, but what you're saying is that it's an opinion that might challenge you or an opinion that resonates with you or something yeah. different to just. Yeah, just look, it's just. Um, no, you know what a better way to do this? First off, let's me just backtrack a bit. Because what I did when I opened this conversation, I made this gross generalisation about this lovely person. and Seasoned really giving it without, <laughs> What was that? Yeah. Seasoned. The season category. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, yeah, you did. So, I, you know, like without giving it a proper context, I think now that I've thought about it a tiny bit, I'm going to continue giving it even less context. <laughs> but my point is that she has a certain level of certainty about her. You know, when someone just goes, you know, sometimes you go, hey, what do you want for dinner? And they go, oh, not really mind. She goes, I'll have the fish. <laughs> You're like, shit, okay, let's go get a fishing rod. And it's not that so much. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a power thing. This is a, there's difference and there's holding that difference and not having, you just having a, a polar opinion and actually being comfortable with a polar opinion. Look, I ha- I can hear what I'm saying right now, and I know that I wish I pitched this better because <laughs> I'm now a, no, you're I am now freak. I am now this vulnerable. Exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, and I, you know, okay. So for me, what happens at this point? I go, this could be misunderstood because I'm like, because I haven't really given any context. Like I. I'll talk to you guys off air. I'll talk to Mel off air. No, but I'd talk to you off air and give you the details. I'm being so general. But what I was just curious about was like this whole idea that I've put things in boxes. I was like, I was like, I don't use Tupperware ever. <laughs> um, but I think it. Um... <laughs> you didn't need to shut me down on that. <laughs> no, hmm. that was a bad. That was a dad joke. I think it's a bit about uh, being a bit of a control freak, and not in the traditional sense, mm. because I am a control freak. Is the mm. only reason that I can say that to you. Because when you get uncomfortable having this conversation now, mm. it's because you don't know how mm. other people are going to perceive this, so and true. so my who I am might be questioned, and people might think of me so in a true. negative light. So, so I know for myself, I'm very good at guessing what everybody else thinks and trying wow. to act in certain ways that, you know, ensures that my reputation stays intact. Mm. So sometimes I find it hard to put myself out there if I know that it's going to, you know, other people are going to have a different opinion to me. Cause mm. if you have a different opinion to me, maybe that you won't like me. Now this mm. is all happening on a subconscious level, mm. but, um, yeah, so I think I think you're a bit of a control freak. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? it we, we should edit that bit out, right, Mick? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's interesting because I've been finding the more people I'm hearing in the world of podcasting and things like that that are sort of talking about where their, say, business or their project or whatever it is took a turn was when they actually just stood up and said something even though they just knew that this was going to potentially result in a barrage of criticism. And it's intriguing because I've often found myself trying to ask this question of like, where am I just like playing to the masses? Like, where am I just like being agreeable and where I really shouldn't be? I feel like I've identified that in some spots, but I don't actually... I think I'm trying to like strategize too much on like how to b- 
be vulnerable because it's sort of like, well, I got these ideas related to example, my industry, and I could just put them out there and get all kinds of criticism, but I don't know if I can like take it any further than that. Like is like one blog entry or one something like enough to say, you know, it's not something I want to like build a body of work on, so to speak. So an example might be for you, Dobbo, just say you had very specific views on, I don't know, religion and it's, it's somewhat related to your work, but you're not really wanting to like build a body of work on it, but you just have this idea and it's, I don't know. And, and is it even worth putting it out there? Because you, you're going to be vulnerable in doing so. It's potentially going to like open you up to all kinds of criticism and new awareness and connection with new opportunities and groups and things like that but at the same time it's actually not you know it's uh, you sometimes don't because it's like well I don't want to focus my attention on that because it's not what I want to build my work on Mm. you know I like what you said about you don't want to try too hard on the vulnerability thing and I agree but what I'm hearing that combined what you said Mel was that like it, it really vulnerability is putting yourself in a position where people may not like us but we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we just you know, be obnoxious. It's not like that. It's really going, this is who I am and I accept that you may not like that. That's exactly right. Oh, my God, that's so cool. It's when you're being who you are and people and... And you may not like that. And you may not like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. I just got all giddy in the stomach. Oh. That's big, man. It's about time for your mum to make a cup of tea or something. (laughs) what always happens every time we do something really profound well i just had a moment guys might have been the dinner but <laughs> holy shit go on mick can you yeah go you say something that we may well, that we may f- not like you finish <laughs> with a story related a little bit to yeah um when you're i think like trying to when you're trying to hide these things so i was on a plane coming back actually when i went and met with sean in Cleveland. So she was at the Cleveland clinic doing all these tests and things like that for her ALS. And I was flying home and just thinking about the whole experience of connecting and I sit next to this girl on the plane and strike up a conversation. And she says, Oh, uh, you know, I'm originally from Maine flying back to Maine visiting, but I live in Arizona. What do you do there? Uh, I work at a spa, like a day spa. I manage a day spa, but that's not really what I want to do. And then that was like, all she said and I was like huh so and I said to her so what do you really want to do and that was when she like realized she shouldn't have she didn't want to have started with what <laughs> yeah. she started with right. and I was like oh don't worry it just like it's it's too far out there and I said look if it helps at all I've I, I know what you're talking about. And I gave her some examples of when I've like had particular experiences where I've tried to kind of retreat on something like that to try to help her feel comfortable with the fact that, you know, like, I think I, I think I'm going to get what you're talking about. So she said, well, what I really want to do is like start a community of like helping women be better connected with themselves and doing, you know, more personal development stuff and like starting courses and starting retreats and doing all this sort of stuff. And the rest of the entire flight for two hours was just spent talking about that and how to go about doing that and my experiences and what I've done and just like, but it was very uncomfortable for her to kind of start with. And 
it was just interesting that in her situation, she just began to say something and how quickly we rush in to protect that and just jump all over and say, I don't want to talk about that, but I just want you to be aware of that. I'm not proud of what I just told you, but I don't want to talk about the other elephant <laughs> that's in the room. And um, really it just kind of came down to being afraid of starting because she didn't know where to start in a way that felt safe enough for her. There'd be a lot of people that have that conversation with Korea, but I reckon for me, it's less about Korea. I feel less like saying what I want to, which direction I want to move is feels less risky. Anybody could have been that person that sat next to you on the plane and everybody would have had a different answer. There would be their version of that. It's like, she used a career example, but someone else might've sat down and just said, you say, well, um, I don't know. What do you, what do you do for your work? Or who are you married to? And they go, oh, I'm married to this person. Um, but I'm going home are, to visit this person and, you know, I'm dating. Well, I'm not really in love gonna, with them. Yeah, but I'm not really mm-hmm. going to, like, we're not getting married mm-hmm. or anything. Or it could be that, or it could be, you know, I'm going home with them, but the conversation in the head is it, but we don't really have a great sex life. And but to admit that needs means that you would, you know, it's like that, you know, it's not appropriate on a plane perhaps, but there's always this, like, there's this, this area where you go, I'm doing this, but really this is really me, but I don't know if I can really be this, like I really want to tear their clothes off but I can't in our relationship because we're in this kind of faith or whatever like there's this I think everybody could be that girl in that conversation and have a tension a tension between what I'll tell you but what I really want to be doing Hmm. and I don't tell you what I really want to be doing because I'm not sure if it's possible if you'll laugh and maybe you'll like me less wow okay so this vulnerability thing is it's been quite helpful, guys. It's good to know that I don't box label things. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what I heard was that I don't label things, um, that I'm actually um, that I'm oh, really um, open and honest <laughs> and right. open and honest and so flexible and, and so open to new not an issue, and really. controlling's not an issue at Me all. Me either. Same. <laughs> Same. And you're alone in having all of those thoughts about yourself. <laughs> but it's okay. No, it's okay because. Um, me and me and Mel are lonely together. Does that work or not really? Yeah, sure. Hey, so it's been pretty good having Mel here. I I think so. I think it'd be awesome to do a follow up one on vulnerability too. But uh, I think we've struck on an interesting subject. But yeah, Mel, it was awesome to have you sitting in and get a different perspective. Um, yeah, it's really refreshing. It was, ni- it was nice to talk to you guys. Mm, mm. It's been great. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been great. I've got, yeah, I want people to get to know Mel too because Mel's a rock star. But um, it might be now because it's, we've been here for a while. I do want to do the vulnerability thing. I'm so excited about it. I'm happy. I'm prepared to be a guinea pig on this because I want to learn this so bad. I want to control the shit out of vulnerability. Yes. As, yeah, as Renee Brown would say. But I do that. Like, like when we talk about it, I get this little like it's like a little adrenaline rush. I'm like, oh, that it's cool. Yeah. Am I going too far there? But oh, I'm serious. Like, no, it is cool. It's very hard though. Like once you acknowledge it, then you got to do it. Well, it is with that attitude. <laughs> well, with you because you're a stubborn bastard. <laughs> okay. So I think there's just real vulnerability just bringing Mel on because she knows me so well and she just exposes me. Mm. You don't do it to me, Mick. I don't, mate. I'm really kind to you. It's part yeah, of being Mick's the lifetime really friend. She's just there for the seasons. <laughs> We're like the angel and the devil. I could be the devil. I don't mind. Uh, well, sorry, were you about to say something? <laughs> Is that what you were about to say something? Jeez, these are smooth. These intros and outros are great. 
we're so talented. Well, look, folks, we'd love, we, we hope you had a great time special. Thanks to those people who gave us some feedback on the episode that we sort of released a little early so that people would give us some feedback. Loneliness is not going to be a three-part series. We're over it. And if you know someone who really is in a bad way, you know, get them some help, all that kind of stuff. But if you're just going ups and downs, it's pretty normal, people. It's just a human experience. And just forgive yourself, journey it. I'm concluding, it's okay to fill your time at bookshop sometimes. It's okay to go for a run too often because there's nothing else to do. It's okay to read the paper for a long time in coffee shops because nothing else to do. It's okay to be home on a Friday, Saturday night because there's nothing else to do. It, it, it's it's okay to be sleep next to your partner sometimes and not be in love with them. These things just these things just happen. That's part of the human experience. Be kind to yourself, forgive yourself, and as soon as you let it go, it creates the door for some like new feeling. And it's okay to put things in boxes, right? It's okay to <laughs> or Tupperware containers. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and next week, why is Master Dobbo? And what are you, you going to be? You're not one. And I'm not wise. Wise. And, and Padawan Learner. No. <laughs> I think you're the learner, mate. I'm such a learner. All right, mate. Right, we always love talking to you, Mick. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Dobbo. Thanks, Mel. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Mick. Have Thanks, a great Mel. night. Bye. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Oh my <laughs> Quick, hang up. And everything I wish that I could be. You've been listening to Risking Failure. To join the community and access more free content, news, and updates, subscribe at riskingfailure.com.